Hello, and welcome to the Claremont Bible Fellowship Bible Instruction Time. We now turn you over to our speaker for the day. We welcome everybody once again to Claremont Bible Fellowship. Happy to have our brother Dave Dunlap with us virtually for the Bible Instruction Time. So at this time, we're going to, reach, we're going to turn the our remainder of our time over to our brother Dave Dunlap. And brother Dave, when you're done, if you just close in prayer, after that, we can open up for a time of fellowship. Will do. Well, thank you very much. Good to be with you uh, via Zoom. Glad things are working this morning here at Claremont Bible Fellowship, and good to see each one of you here or see your names up on the screen, and uh, it's great to be together. We look forward to meeting in person and uh, having fellowship and meeting as a church uh, in the future uh, in person. I'm going to ask you to take your Bibles and turn to Exodus book of Exodus chapter 12. I want to look with you at the subject of the Passover, and I'd like to look with you on the, at, the, at the subject of the Passover as a picture, a picture of the believer's salvation in Christ, and uh, some lessons that we can learn from that. I want to, uh, before we get into that, I want to uh, make a little bit of a commercial. I want to mention a little bit about Cornerstone Magazine and uh, our webinars. We've had two webinars, uh, which are one hour long um, meetings on, on, on GoToMeeting platform, and um, you register for those meetings. And then in the past, we've had Randy Amos, Keith Kaiser, Mark Colchin, and myself, and Brian Gunning as the moderator. And uh, we looked at in the first one at the subject of prophecy, and we continued on. We had 107 questions. Uh, we had over 1,300 people register and over 107 questions, about 107 questions that came in. So we decided to do a follow-up on prophecy, and that was well attended. 830 people registering for that webinar. Um, so uh, it seems like it, it's, it's kind of hit a, uh, it's, it's met a need, these webinars and we hope to do some in the future with different speakers, uh, different subjects, and uh, so we'll let you know in the future uh, about that. Um, so uh, another bit of news I wanna share is that Cornerstone Magazine has asked Sarah Bott, I think maybe most of you know Sarah, uh, she's the daughter of John and Stephanie down here in Tampa, and she's doing some social media things for us making posts and making creative posts about Cornerstone Magazine uh, on Facebook and on Instagram. And so we're happy to, to have her on board. Well, we have our Bibles open to Exodus chapter 12. I'd like to read, to begin with, read the first 13 verses and then get into the passage together. Uh, verse 1, Exodus chapter 12. And the Lord spoke unto Moses and Aaron, in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. Speak ye unto the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of the month you shall take every man to them a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for a house. And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him take his neighbor next to him unto his house, According to the number of souls, every man according to his eating, shall you make your count for the lamb. 
Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You shall take it from out of the sheep, or you shall take it from out of the goats. You shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month. And the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. And they shall take the blood and strike it on the two doorposts and the lintel or the upper doorpost of the house, wherein you shall eat it. And they shall eat the flesh that night, roast with fire and unleavened bread, with bitter herbs you shall eat it. Do not eat it raw, do not eat it boiled with water, but roast with fire, its head, its legs, and its inward parts. And you shall let nothing of it remain until the morning, and that which remains until the morning you shall burn with fire. And thus shall you eat it with your loins girded, and your shoes on your feet, and your staff in your hands, and you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night, and I will smite the firstborn of the land of Egypt, both man and beast, against the gods of Egypt will I execute judgment. I am the Lord. And the blood shall be a token upon your houses where you are. When I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. Let's bow in a word of prayer. Our God and Father, we thank you for this time this morning. We thank you we can gather with a, a Bible opened in this fashion, and we pray, Father, that you might lead and guide and you might speak to our hearts. May we be encouraged and may we be challenged, and may you help us, Father, as we look into your word. As we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Over 100 years ago, there was a Bible teacher in England named George Cutting. And George Cutting wrote a, wrote a tract. It's really a, a booklet, and uh, it became very popular. It was called Safety, Certainty, and Enjoyment. And it is still in publication today, over 100 years in publication. And it is based upon Exodus chapter 12. And we want to look at that little outline that he has, safety, certainty, and enjoyment. We want to use that outline and look at this passage um, this morning with you. One of the first things I want to look at, just a couple of observations before we get into the passage. Um, one of the first things I want to look at is who is the one that uh, sacrifices the lamb? Now, when you, when you look at the passage that I just read, and you look at the language in these first 13 verses, for instance, um, it says in verse, in verse 3, Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying in the tenth month, You shall take every man a lamb. It seems to indicate that the father is the one of that household, is the one that is putting to death the lamb or the goat. And, uh, and then if the household is too little, he invites his neighbor to come. But I want to look at something with you. Look, at, look with me for a moment at verse 21. Verse 21 of chapter 12. Notice what it says here. Here it says, And Moses called for the elders of Israel. And he said to them, Draw out and take you a lamb according to your families, and kill the Passover. You shall take a bunch of hyssop, 
and dip the blood that is in the basin, and dip in the blood that is in the basin, and strike the lintel, the upper doorpost, and the two side posts with blood that is in the basin, and none of you shall go out at the, at the door of the house until the morning. So he does a couple of things. The elders of Israel, the elders of Israel were those spiritual mature leaders in each tribe, in each tribe of Israel, that was appointed, and they were the spiritual leaders. They would instruct, as we see here, they would anoint blood on the doorposts. They would also, look at verse 22 for a minute, the end of verse 22. He would also instruct, after he sprinkled blood on the doorpost on the lintel, he would instruct the people, don't go out of the homes until morning. Stay safe under the blood of the Lamb. And I think this is a great picture for us that elders today, Bible teachers today, those today that minister the Word of God, evangelists, that we are the ones that hold up the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. One of the great roles, great works that we have is to continually, steadfastly hold up the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. The shed blood, the application of the shed blood on the homes or on the lives of believers, and for believers to go under, to appropriate that, for them to go into the house and stay in the house, to, to receive the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ, and to be protected and secure in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. What a role that we have as elders, as Bible teachers, as evangelists, to, uh, to hold up the finished work, the finishing complete work of the Lord Jesus, and how that is effective in our lives. And so this is an important role of elders. Let's go to the earlier part of this chapter, and uh, let's look at the first part. Uh, the first part of our outline, our outline is safety, certainty, and enjoyment. And in the first part, it says in verses 1 and 2, And the Lord spoke unto Moses, and the Lord spoke unto Aaron, in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be a beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year. We find in chapter 13 of Exodus, verse 5, that, the first, that, that this month would be called the month of Abib. Chapter 13, verse 5 uses that term. It's used all through the Old Testament. But we find the name is changed. And many times when you go through the New Testament, the Old Testament, and you find the word Nisan. When the children of Israel were in the Babylonian captivity, the name was changed. And the name Nisan means first month. And so it says here that although they were in the seventh month of the civil calendar, and they were in 430 years in captivity in Egypt. He said, this will be the beginning. The Lamb's blood being shed, them coming under salvation, them coming under protection and safety of a Lamb's blood being shed, shed and sprinkled, and this blood being sprinkled on the doorpost and the lintel, and by faith them going into that house, and that God, when he sees the blood, he says, I will pass over you. This great picture of the believer's salvation 
Moses or God says to Moses here, this is the beginning. This is the beginning of your life. Everything prior is behind you. This is the beginning. He says, I don't remember. I won't remember your past. I won't remember what has gone before. What has gone before is in the past. What has gone before is a big blank sheet. What is important is what is before you. And so he says in this passage, this is a new start for Israel. And as we look at this as a, as a picture of the believer's life, it's a new start for the believer. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17 says this, If any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. When we come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, when we trust in the finished work, the shed blood of the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, when we come into faith, it's a beginning for us. We don't live our lives looking at the past. God doesn't look at our past. You ever noticed when God chooses <clears throat> excuse me, when God chooses someone to serve him, he didn't look at his past. When God chose Moses to serve him, he didn't look at his past. He didn't say, you know, you, 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 would, you killed that Egyptian and buried him in the sand. Uh, that disqualifies you. I'm not going to use you for my service. He doesn't look at Paul, the Apostle Paul's life, and say, I remember your past. Remember how you persecuted the church. I remember how you were the chief of sinners. You're disqualified from being in my service. He didn't say to Peter, I know your past. I know how you, how you denied me three times. The Lord doesn't look at our past. When he chooses us and calls us to be used by him, he doesn't look at our past. He looks at our future. He says it's a beginning. Our salvation in Christ is a beginning of the Christian life. And the beginning is such an important thing. Someone asked me recently, <clears throat> if they were speaking to an unbeliever, what would be one of the most important things that an unbeliever would want to know? What's one of the most spiritual truths that an unbeliever would want to know? And I told them, one of the things I think an unbeliever would want to know, that when you come to the Lord Jesus Christ, your past is gone. He doesn't look at your past. That's a wonderful truth. Doesn't look at your past. We are new creatures in Christ. Our past is gone. We're told two, twice in the book of Hebrews, chapter 8 and chapter 10, he says, your sins and your iniquities I'll remember no more. What a wonderful, wonderful truth that is. There's a story of a preacher going to visit a man who wasn't saved, he was not well, and he had only a short period of time to live. And the man said, the Christian man, the pastor said to this unbeliever, he said, is there anything I can do for you? And the unsaved man said, there's nothing you can do for me, but I wish there was someone who could undo something for me. You know, people want that, don't they? They want, they want their past to be undone. And when we come to the Lord Jesus Christ, this is exactly what he does. He can undo our past when we come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So as we come to this passage, he says, this is a beginning. 
a new beginning for every individual Israelite. This is a new beginning for the nation of Israel. And in picture, as we come to faith in the Lord Jesus, it's a new beginning for us. What a wonderful truth. Salvation means a new beginning for every believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. He goes on in this passage, and he begins to talk about the Lamb, characteristics of the Lamb. And when we come to this section, these characteristics speak of the Lord Jesus Christ. John chapter 1, verse 29, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Look at some of the characteristics of the Lamb in this passage. He says, first of all, the Lamb is never too small. The lamb is never too small. A household may be too small, but the lamb is never too small. Here we find a, a lamb for a household. When we come to the Day of Atonement, a lamb for a nation. When we come to John 1.29, a lamb for the world. The salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ, the lamb is never too small. A household may be too small. Even the world might be too small. The Lord Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary, he made provision. Not everyone is saved by the death of the Lord Jesus. Not everyone is saved by the shed blood of the Lord Jesus. But he made provision that everyone in the world could be saved. The finished work was sufficient to pay for all the penalty of every sin, of every man, woman, and child. And so we find the Lamb is sufficient. And the Lamb of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, is sufficient to meet the sin debt of every man, woman, and child. We find also in this passage, we find that the Lamb should be a male, taken from either the sheep or the goats. We find also the Lamb should be taken, either this goat or Lamb should be taken. It is without blemish. It is without spot or without blemish. He says in verse 5, Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You shall take him from the sheep or the goats. You are to watch him. You are to take him on the tenth day. You are to watch him for three days, and on the fourteenth day, you are, to, you are to offer this lamb. You are to sacrifice this lamb. And what a great picture that is of the Lord Jesus Christ, of the perfection of the Lord Jesus Christ. We find about the Lord Jesus Christ that he was without blemish. We find that he knew no sin. He that knew no sin became sin for us, that we might be the righteousness of God in him. We find he was of sin apart. He was touched with the feeling of our infirmities, tempted in all of manners as we are, but sin apart. We find in John, 1 John chapter 1 and verse 5, it says, In him was light, or he was light, and in him was no darkness at all. I love that 1 John 1 5 reference. I, I think sometimes if I was writing, if I was a writer of scripture, I might say that he is light and in him is no darkness. But I like what the writer says, what John says. In him was no darkness at all. We see the impeccability. We see the perfections 
we see the spotlessness and sinlessness of the Lord Jesus. We're told in 1 Peter uh, 1.18, says, we're not redeemed with corruptible things from our old manner of life, but by the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ as the Lamb of God without spot or without blemish. What a great picture of our Lord Jesus. He was taken, this Lamb would be taken and watched and examined and scrutinized for three days. And the Lord Jesus Christ was also watched. He was scrutinized. He was looked upon. For three and a half years, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the disciples, the Jewish nation, everywhere that he went, every public appearance that he had, either the Pharisees tried to trap him, the Pharisees tried to question him, the Sadducees tried to question him, would be Herod or Pilate uh, tried to question him, tried to trap him, yet the Lord Jesus time and time again showed that he was the perfect, spotless, sinless, Lamb of God. There's something I want to say about this. There are those who would teach that the Lord Jesus Christ did not sin, but that the Lord Jesus could have sinned. He was indeed spotless. He was indeed sinless, but the Lord Jesus could have sinned. I'm not sure the meaning behind that, why someone would want to write that, why someone would want to teach that. He didn't sin, but he could have sinned. The idea, some would say, that he wasn't fully human if he didn't have the potential to sin. He was fully human. He was 100% humanity, and he was 100% deity. But that deity of the Lord Jesus would always outshine and overpower the humanity of the Lord Jesus. The Lord Jesus could never sin. He was impeccable. The one who, in, in whom the fullness of the Godhead dwelt bodily. It was impossible. I can't, I can't ever imagine a situation where he could have sinned. The only situation probably was when the Lord Jesus was tempted by Satan and he fasted for 40 days. And even there, he outshone Satan in all his temptations and all of his trials and all the testing that Satan would bring. The Lord Jesus Christ was impeccable. He did not sin in any way. But I want to move on in our passage a little bit, and I want to look at the salvation. We've looked at the new beginning. We've looked at the lamb who would make salvation possible. But then that lamb was slain. And as that lamb was slain, here's where we come into the security of the believer. How are we made secure in the Lord Jesus Christ? How are we made safe in the Lord Jesus Christ. One of the things we see in this passage, that our salvation, that works in self-effort, and our doing, and our energy has no part of salvation. There's no part of that that has our salvation. It is all of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is all of the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. That lamb which prefigures the Lord Jesus Christ is taken. That lamb is taken, and that lamb is slain. That lamb is sacrificed. Look what it says in verse, in the last part of verse 6. It says, you shall kill that lamb. You shall sacrifice it and offer it in the evening. And you shall take the blood 
and you shall strike it or sprinkle it on the two, on the two doorposts and on the upper doorpost, on the lintel. And then you should stay inside and eat the unleavened bread, eat the bitter herbs, and eat the lamb roasted with fire, and let nothing till the morning. And you shall eat it in haste. You shall eat it with your staff in your hand, your loins girded, and the shoes on your feet. But our question is, how do we become safe? We become safe through the blood, through the death, and the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that is slain for us. It's not what we do that makes us safe. I know, I know a, um, a woman uh, who comes from a Church of the Nazarene background. She's been raised in that background, and she knows the Lord Jesus, and she loves the Lord Jesus dearly. But she's constantly afraid, constantly fearful that she's lost her salvation. Somehow, something that she did, something that she thought, something that she might do, might take away her salvation. When we have that kind of idea, it means that we contribute in some way to our salvation. It's not all of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not all of the blood. It's not all of the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's something of us. We come by faith, and then we add to that our works. And if our works are not present, then we lose our salvation. We don't have that kind of idea here in this passage. In this passage, we have the blood put on the doorposts, and we appropriate that blood by faith, and we go into that house, and as we go into that house, we're safe. It doesn't matter how much doubt we have. It doesn't matter what we think. It doesn't matter our feelings. What matters is our faith, and our faith that brings us inside that house. The story is told about two boys on the night of the Passover. The one boy says to his father, and he says, I'm restless, father. I'm not sure when God sees the blood is going to pass over us. And he passes, he paces back and forth inside the house. He doesn't eat of the bitter herbs. He doesn't eat of the unleavened bread. He doesn't eat the lamb. He can hardly sleep that night. But at midnight, the death angel comes and he's safe. Even though he had feelings that made him think he wasn't safe, he was safe by the blood. He was safe by the slain lamb and the blood that was, uh, that was put on the doorpost and the lentil. There was another boy that same night. He says to his father, I believe that when the angel sees the blood, he will pass over us. I have full confidence he ate, the, he ate of, the, of the lamb that was slain, the roasted lamb. He ate of the unleavened bread. He slept soundly. They both were saved, though their feelings were different. This sister was, is saved, though her feelings are different. We're safe. We're safe because of the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. We're safe by the blood, but we're made sure by the Word of God. Sometimes people say we're made sure by looking at our lives. Our, our lives were always disappoint. Our lives 
may never reach the standard of what, uh, what it should be. We're not, we're not sure by our lives. When we look at our lives, we'll be disappointed. When we look at our day, we will be disappointed. But when we look at Christ and we look at the statement of Christ, he says, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. It's the statements of Scripture that make us safe. We are secure in the Lord Jesus Christ because of the finished work of the Lord Jesus and because he says the value of that shed blood is sufficient for your safety, for your spiritual safety in the Lord Jesus Christ. We have the same thing today, don't we? We have the same thing today. We are safe. We're, we're certain by the statements of Scripture. 1 John chapter 5 and verse, uh, verse 13, he says, These things I write unto you who believe, that, ye, that you may know that you have eternal life. You know, there, there are some who believe in eternal security. They believe, yes, the believer is eternally secure. But they say with the same breath, you can't be assured. You don't have the assurance of salvation. What, you might say, what is the difference? What's the difference of eternal security and the assurance of salvation? They say, you are secure, but you can't know it in this life. You can't know it in this life. How do we know it? We know it because of the statements of Scripture. The Israelite knew it, that he was safe because of the statement of God. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. 1 John 5, verse 13. I write these things that you may know that you have eternal life. John's Gospel, chapter 5, verse 24. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that hears my word and believes on him that sent me has eternal life. He says, when you believe, I state that you have eternal life. It is as strong as saying, I will pass over you. And then he goes on to say, And you shall not come in judgment, but, is, but you are passed from death unto life. What great statements we have by the Lord Jesus Christ. Great statements of truth in the writers of Scripture. That we are made certain, we're made safe by the blood, we're made certain by the word of God given to us. John 10, verse 28, I give them eternal life. They shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father that gave them to me is greater than all. No one shall pluck them out of my hand. We have in this passage safety, certainty, and enjoyment. I want to look for a few minutes at the enjoyment part of this passage, and then I want to look at some applications, and then we'll close for this morning. Look at our passage. As you look at the second half of, of Exodus chapter 12, it tells us in verse 15, he says, after the Passover... After the Passover takes place, we have the day of the days of unleavened bread, seven days of unleavened bread. From the 14th 
till the 21st of Nisan. Those are the days of unleavened bread, and you shall remove leaven out of your households, and you shall eat of unleavened bread. The first day of the days of unleavened bread is a day of holy convocation. Gather together. And later on in the, in the history of Israel, there's the reading of Scripture, and there's the proclamation of the Passover, and what happened in history in Exodus chapter 12, a day of holy convocation a day of great gathering together, great Bible conference. And in the first day, there should be a holy convocation. In the seventh day, there should be a holy convocation. Should not do any work those days. A day of remembering, a day of gathering, and later on in Israel's history, a day of learning and reading and having the word of God proclaimed to them. Verse 17, you shall observe the Feast of Unleavened Bread. You shall rid leaven from out of their homes. But notice something. The, 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 the removal of leaven from their homes has nothing to do with the shed blood and salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ. The, the removal of, of leaven is a picture for us of living a holy life, of progressive sanctification, of growing stronger and further in the Lord Jesus Christ. We draw, we grow further, we become holy. We take steps of sanctification after we're saved, but it doesn't have anything to do with our salvation. We are not saved by works. Works do not contribute to our salvation. We are safe and we are certain already by the blood and the word of God. But because we're saved, and because we're certain, and because we enjoy the Lord Jesus Christ, because of all those things, that's when we desire to grow in the Lord Jesus. It's as we enjoy feeding on the finished, on the, on the roasted lamb, because we feed on the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ, that makes us, that, that encourages us, and that strengthens us to live holy lives. What does it mean to feed on, feed on the roasted lamb? Notice in our passage, it says, don't eat it boiled, and don't eat it raw. It should be only eaten roasted. Roasted is a picture of the judgment and the death of the Lord Jesus, the judgment that came through fire. And the Lord, it pictures the Lord Jesus Christ, finished work, the sufferings of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the spiritual sufferings. When the Lord Jesus Christ bore our judgment, he bore our wrath. He bore all that should have been ours because we are separated from God. The Lord Jesus bore that on the cross of Calvary. And he says here that when we, when we feed on the Lord Jesus, we feed on him as the one who has completed the finished work of Christ. The believers that are strongest are the ones who feed and remember and love the Lord Jesus Christ for what he did on the cross of Calvary. I would encourage us as believers. What, what application does it have for us? Well, the application is this, that we should make efforts to know more and more about the finished work of the Lord Jesus. We love the Lord Jesus Christ more. We grow more. We become stronger 
when we have a greater and greater knowledge of that finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then we begin to live that practical, sanctified life in Christ. When I was a new Christian, I grew up in a Christian household and an assembly household, but I never really appreciated the Lord Jesus Christ. Never really appreciated it. I sat at a lot of breaking of bread services and a lot of meetings, and I never appreciated the Lord's Supper, and I never appreciated the death of the Lord Jesus. But after I was saved, I began to have regret. I began to think to myself, you know, I never appreciated all those years. And now I want to I want to know more of the finished work. I want to know more of the death of the Lord Jesus. I want to know more of what he did on, on, the, on the cross of Calvary that I can enter in in a deeper way to worship to the Lord's Supper. And so I got my Bible out, and I looked up every word in the New Testament, every time the word blood occurred in the New Testament, every, word, every time the word cross appeared in the New Testament. Every time the death of the Lord Jesus Christ appeared in the New Testament, I would write those down in a notebook, and I begin to think and meditate on those things. That made me enjoy the salvation I had more and more. It's a special thing that takes place when we begin to feed on the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what this passage is, is telling us in picture. In picture, he says, you don't feed on the lamb that's not roasted in judgment. You don't eat of the lamb raw. You don't eat of him boiled. But you feed of him, and you feed on him completely. He says, don't leave, don't leave any of the lamb till the next day. Feed on his complete finished work in the Lord Jesus Christ. Complete. Feed on the finished work. Feed on his attributes. Feed on what he's accomplished for us. Feed on what he does for us today. Feed on every aspect of the Lord Jesus Christ, and that makes our lives strong. And then we begin to grow spiritually, and we begin to progressively sanctify, we begin to see progressive sanctification in our lives. I want to close our time by a couple of, um, uh, a couple of applications. First of all, I want to read a quotation from Harry Ironside. I think it's one of the best quotations there is in all of his writings. And it's about what is Christian holiness? What does it mean to be holy? What does it mean to be sanctified? It's a long quotation, so I'm going to read it slowly, uh, but I think you'll see. It's a wonderful uh, quotation. The secret of Christian holiness is heart occupation with Christ, feeding on that the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. The secret of Christian holiness is heart occupation with Christ himself. As we gaze upon him, we become like him. Do you want to become holy? Spend much time in his presence. Let the loveliness of the risen Lord so fill the vision of your soul that all else is shut out. Then the things of the flesh will shrivel up and disappear and the things of the Spirit will become supreme in your life. We do not become holy by looking at our own hearts. There we only find corruption. Instead, we look away from ourselves and we look to Jesus, contemplating His holiness, His purity, His love, His compassion, 
his devotion to the will of uh, to the Father's will. Then we shall be transformed imperceptibly to ourselves, perhaps, but nonetheless surely to his blessed image. There is no other way whereby we can become practically holy and deliver from the power of the flesh and the principles of the world than to be occupied with Christ. What a great quotation. We feed on that lamb, and as we feed on that lamb and the finished work as pictured in that lamb, the finished work of Christ, pictured in that lamb, we become more like the Lord Jesus Christ. Our lives become progressively sanctified, and we become more conformed to the Lord Jesus Christ. A couple of practical thoughts. A couple of practical thoughts. Number one, this passage disproves universalism. Universalism teaches that everyone is saved when the Lord Jesus Christ died on the cross. His death on the cross, his shed blood on the cross, saves everyone. This was the idea behind the book The Shack a number of years ago. In the book The Shack, he said, when the Lord Jesus died, everyone in the world was saved. This is the premise of the book by Rob Bell. Uh, he believed in universalism. And when the Lord Jesus Christ died, everyone was saved. He wrote in uh, a, one of his books of a story, being in a restaurant on, Sunday, uh, on a Saturday morning with his family and having breakfast in a restaurant. And as they finished, he motioned to the waitress to come over. She came over and he asked for the bill and she said, the bill has been paid. Someone in the restaurant has already paid it. And so he said, this is exactly like what happens on the cross. But that is not true. Because the Lord Jesus Christ died and his blood was shed, it doesn't mean everybody is saved. When the lamb was sacrificed, when the lamb was slaughtered, and when the blood was shed, it didn't mean all Israel was, was, was saved, was safe from the death angel. That blood had to be applied. That person had to go inside the home. That's a picture of faith that we have. That's appropriation. The Lord Jesus Christ died. The Lord Jesus Christ's blood was shed, but it doesn't mean that everyone is saved. Everyone has to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. It is simple as John 3.16. So we see that universalism is disproved by chapter 12 of the book of Exodus. We find, too, one last thing, and then we'll close in prayer. This lamb was sacrificed sometime probably, probably between 3 o'clock and 6 o'clock. Historians, Josephus, other historians would say that the sacrifices in Israel usually began at three o'clock and continued until about six o'clock or seven o'clock, late afternoon, evening. The lamb was slain in the evening. The blood was shed of that lamb in the evening. The death angel didn't come until midnight. We're six hours. We're six hours for an Israelite to take that blood and apply it to their doorpost and lentil and for them to get inside the house and stay there until the death angel passed. They had six hours. 
They couldn't apply the blood. They could not go inside five minutes after midnight. It would be too late. They had six hours. We live in today what we call a day of grace. Today is the day of salvation. We have until the Lord's return to appropriate the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Israelites of old had six hours to appropriate the lamb that was slain so they could be safe, so they could be saved. You've got a world outside, in some cases, that doesn't know anything about the Lord Jesus. They don't know the hour is coming, but the Lord Jesus Christ died for them. They need to hear a message, and they need to respond to the message before the Lord comes again, before the hour is too late. Pretty soon we'll be out of our homes, we'll be out of our quarantine, and we have a great work to do to tell a lost world, tell a lost world of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have now to do it as well. It's harder now that we're quarantined, but we'll be, we'll be among people again. What a great responsibility we have to share the finished work of Christ. Let's close in a word of prayer. Thank you for inviting me, the opportunity to, to, to share the word of God. Let's bow in a word of prayer. Our God and Father, we thank you for our time together. We thank you for the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you that it's in Christ that we are saved and that it's in Christ and through his word given to us that we're safe and that we are certain of our salvation. And so, Father, we thank you for these truths, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.